right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and the non-technical aspects of investment banking. (laughs) You already know what it is. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host, and thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're having a beautiful, lovely day, whatever you're doing. If you're in the middle of recruiting, I I know it's a grind out there for many of us. But I just want to encourage you is keep on going, keep learning, keep networking, keep growing and try to get a little bit of sleep out there. I know a lot of my friends are sacrificing their sleep right now. Uh, but remember, that's a short term strategy. It's not a long term strategy. So keep going and keep grinding and it'll all work out. Today, we're talking about valuation. We're going to move over to this topic. It's been some time since we've really discussed valuation in detail. We've covered the basics many episodes ago, and now we're revisiting this domain and tackling some of the more advanced concepts. So today's question is this, how are financial institutions valued differently than other companies? How are financial institutions valued differently than other companies? Now, this is a little bit of a tricky one because Financial institutions are just different types of firms. Like economically, they work differently, they operate differently, and they're measured, their performance is measured in different ways. But they're a vital part of the economy. And if you are recruiting or thinking of recruiting for, say, a FIG group, which is financial institutions group at an investment bank, then you definitely want to understand these concepts and dig into them more deeply, even more deeply than I'm probably going to (laughs) go today or in subsequent episodes because it's a very niche area and there's a lot of things to learn. But here's some of the basics in terms of valuation of these types of companies versus others. Now, we have to come back to the fundamentals. What are the major valuation methodologies just in general? Now, you should know this by heart by now, but I'll cover them again. The three broad valuation methodologies are comparable companies, precedent transactions and discounted cash flow analysis comparable company precedent transaction discounted cash flow comparable companies looks at companies in the market today we're looking at the present looking at what's going on in the market what kinds of deals are potentially out there and what are companies trading for right now precedent transactions this looks at the past what are the deals that have actually happened in the past in our industry deals of similar size and who are the players and how much did they pay and what way did they pay for those companies or transactions and then discounted cash flow remember we're looking at intrinsic value we're looking at the underlying financial performance and using the basic principle of time value of money to discount future cash flows from the future back to the present adding them all up and then getting an enterprise value for a company so With that background in mind, (laughs) we can then keep on going to apply this to financial institutions. For comparable companies and precedent transactions, those first two major valuation methodologies, we can apply the same logic to financial institutions that we would apply to any other company, but we would just use some different metrics. Now, let me explain what I mean. So if we're looking at a financial institution like a bank or an insurance company, you would want to look at a couple of different things that you might not look at 
with say a manufacturing company or a software firm. You'd wanna look at assets and deposits. That's really important because for example, a bank with a strong deposit base is probably a strong bank and a bank without a strong deposit base is probably not a strong bank. And we've seen this with many bank failures in the United States in recent months that the stronger, bigger mega banks have kind of swooped in and absorbed some of those failures because they had strong balance sheets, because they had a lot of, or they have a lot of deposits and assets that can kind of take these things on. So that's important. And then as far as metrics, we can look at different things like return on equity, return on assets, or the book value. Book value in particular, I think, is seen as a little bit more important for financial institutions compared to other types of companies because many financial institutions actually trade at or close to book value, whereas with other sectors of the economy, they usually trade far in excess of book value. So book value actually starts to become relatively for financial institutions. of that is that's basically the net worth of the company, right? You're looking at the balance sheet. So you're looking at your assets minus your liabilities. There you go. That's your equity. That's your book value. Another thing that you would want to look at with financial institutions is your ratios. So remember our kind of go-to ratio for valuing a company in investment banking land is enterprise value divided by EBITDA. Enterprise value divided by earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's kind of like your good rule of thumb metric for valuation. But we don't want to use that for financial institutions. We want to use other things such as price to earnings ratio, PE ratio, or your price to book ratio, PB ratio, or price to tangible book value ratio. And the reason that we want to use those is because we have to remember that interest is often a major component of a financial institution's revenue. So if we exclude it by using EBITDA, remember earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, it just wouldn't make any sense if we did that. And also we have to consider that debt is another component for financial institutions. So it's treated differently than with firms in other sectors of the economy. So it makes sense to use something like a price to earnings or price to book ratio when we're talking about a bank or an insurance company, et cetera. Okay, we've talked about the first two major valuation methodologies and how it's similar and different from other different types of businesses for, for financial institutions. But let's go ahead and touch on discounted cash flow analysis, DCF. Now, instead of using a traditional discounted cash flow analysis, you can use different methods. And there are two methods that I've come across here. The first is called the dividend discount model. Dividend discount model. And just like it sounds, we're basically focusing on dividends here instead of overall free cash flow. And it bases the company's value off of the sum of the present value of dividends that's expected to be paid out in the future. And banks and other financial institutions, historically, they have paid a lot of dividends. They're definitely a dividend-paying segment of the economy. So this method makes sense. Dividends are representative of the cash flow 
that financial institutions can create, at least in some cases. And so this method can be used. You could also use something like the residual income model, residual income model. And sometimes this may also be referred to as excess return model. What this is, is you value the company based on the excess returns it's given above book value. Because remember, book value is literally just your balance sheet, essentially, of the company. It's not telling you the value created in excess of your assets minus your liabilities. So the equation for this, there's a specific equation that you can use in order to calculate the excess return that a financial institution is generating. And it's this. Excess return equals your return on equity multiplied by your book value minus your cost of equity multiplied by your book value. So again, return on equity multiplied by your book value minus your cost of equity multiplied by your book value. And how does this make sense intuitively? Well, return on equity, this is essentially an indicator of how efficient a management team is in using the, the equity of the firm in order to create value. And so that multiplied by book value kind of gives your excess return. And then you have your cost of equity multiplied by your book value, which is similar, but kind of in the other direction. So those are some things that are worth considering when looking at financial institutions from the investment banking perspective, from a valuation perspective. There are definitely similarities here, but you can already tell just by the level of depth that we've gone in these last several minutes that there are some key differences with how we can look at these types of companies in relation to how we value them. So remember, comparable companies and precedent transactions, there's a lot of similarities, just the, the metrics and the numbers may be a little bit different. And then with discounted cash flow, this is going to be a more substantial departure from traditional discounted cash flow models just because the nature of how these firms generate returns and how investors view the valuation of these companies is very different. So just understand that those changes exist and understand a little bit about how we can think about these things. But that's what I've got for you today on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host. Thank you for showing me the love. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for rating the podcast and sharing the podcast with others. I really appreciate it when you share it and help this platform grow because I want to help as many aspiring investment bankers as possible. And that's why I'm on a mission every single day showing up here for you. So I love you. I hope you're doing well. And I'll see you next time.